welcome to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. I'm Sarah Morris, and on today's episode, Jason and I sit down with Captain Donovan Smith and Sergeant Shannon Sullivan from the Washington State Guard. In this episode, we talk about the history, standards, and mobilizations of the Washington State Guard. If you're interested in more information, you can find it on their website, which will be located in the show notes. Enjoy! Bigfoot country is earthquake country. If an earthquake were to happen right now, what would you do? When you feel the ground shaking, drop, cover, and hold on. Do not run, or you may be injured by things falling. Remember, if you are near the ocean, the ground shaking is your warning that a tsunami may be coming. After the shaking stops, move to high ground and stay there. Make sure to listen to local emergency officials. Have enough supplies to be self-sufficient for two weeks after a disaster. For more information about earthquakes in Washington, visit mil.wa.gov preparedness. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. Great. Hello. Today, uh, Jason and I are here. Yes. And we are joined by two uh, folks from the Washington State Guard, which is a separate uh, organization from the Washington National Guard, but just as important in many of the state uh, emergency responses and functions. And yeah, so and we're going to talk learn about, about how it. they fit into the big puzzle of the military department. And and just I feel like we'll probably learn a lot. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> Uh, and we're joined by Sergeant Sullivan and Captain Smith, and I'll let them introduce themselves. So, Sergeant Sullivan, will you go first? Sure. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Sergeant Shannon Sullivan, and I have been a member of the Washington State Guard for about three years now. I was non-prior service, uh, so a huge learning curve when I started, and I am a 46 Sierra, so uh, Public Affairs Mass Communications Specialist. Our favorite uh, MOS yeah. in this office. Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> we know the Dimfo secret handshake. I know. <laughs> All right, one of us. One <laughs> of us. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Um, great. So we'll get along perfectly. And then uh, Captain Smith. Hi, I'm Captain Donovan Smith. Um, I've been in the State Guard since 2013, so we're going on almost eight years now. Prior to that, I was I was active Air Force enlisted uh, maintenance. Okay. Um, I, as a, as are most um, men in the State Guard, are branched 11 Alpha because I'm an officer, 11 Bravo for most of the enlisted men, um, mainly because of the security role that we've played in the in the past. Mm-hmm. But you are the historian. I I fill the role of the historian. Yes. Okay, great. So we were gonna we're gonna just kind of start with the easiest question of of uh, what is the Washington State Guard. 
Well, not complicated at all, right? <laughs> yeah, overreaching a <laughs> gotcha. little bit. So the State Guard is one of three parts of the Washington Military Department. Uh, we're all familiar with the National Guard. The National Guard plays the, one of the major roles uh, in the Military Department. There's also the uh, Emergency Management Division. You see those with the EOC and anytime there's fires or floods or anything like that. And we've seen it a lot this year, yeah. 2020. Thank For you sure. so much. <laughs> and then we're the third part. We're the, the State Guard. Um, we're a lot like the National Guard with uh, with the caveat is we're fully owned by the governor. So we're typically non, non-deployable outside of the state um, and we don't have the federal obligation that the National Guard has. And then also the volunteer aspect of it, I think, is a little bit different. Correct. Yeah, we we typically drill in, an, in a volunteer status unpaid uh, one one day a month. Um, as opposed to the one weekend a month that the National Guard does. Uh, we supply our own gear for the most part, um, but there are times during certain activations, like like we're currently on right now, where we are on state active duty and we are paid commensurate to our rank, whatever it is. And you guys are he- assisting with COVID-related response currently? Correct. Okay. Awesome. And uh, Sergeant Sullivan, I know you are doing a COVID-related response right now, so can you just give us that perspective as a Washington State Guard member? Uh, Yeah, so right now I am on Task Force Kokanee, and this is my first deployment, uh, and so I think we got on to Task Force Kokanee maybe in April or late May, uh, and, and basically we came in to do the, to play the exact same role that our that our National Guardsmen and, air, and Airmen counterparts are playing. Um, my role immediately morphed a little bit into the training group, so training the incoming Guardsmen and Airmen and how to conduct the uh, the mission tasks. Awesome. Hmm. So, can we get a brief history of the Washington State Guard? Well, yeah, th- we're starting at the beginning. Um, up until about 1903, there was only one one guard in the state of Washington, or the territorial militia, or the state militia, as it went through. Starting in 1903, there was a push to nationalize, in which part the the division where we're where we're looking at right now is set up. Um, so the National Guard went on kind of in the role we know it until right at World War One. At World War One the entire National Guard for the state of Washington was deployed. Right. So that left the state of Washington with a major security gap. No one to guard uh, infrastructure, no one uh, to help with the riots. There was a lot of uh, worker riots, uh, labor union riots back then. So they they devised the state guard, which would, again, be wholly owned by the governor and deployable throughout the state to, to fill the role that the National Guard had. Um, at the end of World War II, or sorry, World War One, there was no need for the National, or the state guard anymore because the National Guard had come back. So they tested all of the, the, at the time they were called State Defense Forces, Home Guards, whatever, and very few of them met the standards to become National Guardsmen, but Washington was. So at the end of World War I, our State Guard was rolled back into and helped form the 161 Infantry. Okay. Which which is, you know, still still active today. Yeah, they certainly are. So move forward to World War II, same kind of situation happened. Everybody was deployed, all the National Guard was gone, all the forces were gone, so they stood up the State Guard again to do the same thing, basically. Less labor union problems back then, but guarding critical infrastructure, uh, doing outposts on the Olympic Peninsula, just watching for Mm -hmm. things that shouldn't be happening. And we've been operational in one way or another ever since then. We, We stood back up a little heavier for Korea and then stood down until 1960. 1960, they stood us up, back up, and we, our role was basically civil disturbances. Uh, okay. Same kind of things that's going on right now. There was a lot of, a lot of protesting and a lot of things like that. So we were taught to, to help 
with the protesting issues. We were also there to guard the, the armories in, in case there was another full federalization of the National Guard. So we've been playing those roles moving on. Post 9-11, you know, the world changed, everything changed, and we've been, we've been more in an emergency management community support role since then, doing liaison roles and, and, and helping with communications and, and support like that during critical emergencies. Nice. Um. Hmm. Okay, so what was your, so I know that my familiarity with the Washington State Guard is in that sort of emergency response um, assistance that you guys have been providing more recently. And then I guess I'm curious is what has been your largest response that you've had to um, do so like. So currently Kokanee um, with the COVID response is the longest longest consecutive largest number uh involvement we have we're we're over 90 days now uh with an average number of better than 20 soldiers deployed prior to that we'd had one more activation where we were based out of squim and we guarded the the olympic peninsula during world war ii so that was that was the previous largest that was the previous largest Mm -hmm. okay and then do you guys usually do wildfire assistance or not Generally, we, we do wildfires uh, a lot of times through the EOC, sometimes through the incident command post as liaison officers. We also uh, do floods okay. often. We had involvement during the uh, the mudslide a few years mm-hmm. back. So anytime that anytime that they gen up the incident command posts or or FEMA starts looking into taking things over, we typically go and and act as eyes and ears out in the incident command post. Awesome, good to know. So what is it? take to become a member of the state guard that's a really good question that i probably should have started with at the beginning (laughs) well base the basic things are you have to be between 18 and 64. okay uh we're looking for people with clean backgrounds no felonies no bad conduct discharges things like that there's other health related issues and things that that could be disqualified for for the most case as long as you're a citizen of washington or one of the neighboring states because you could live in idaho or, or oregon as well and be the state guard um and and good health in good health and good standing, correct. Good, mm-hmm. good to go. Okay, and and then like, so what's the what's the pipeline like? Like, the, how do people, be, you know, like, do you guys recruit from the community or do people seek you out? And and then what does it take to get from that initial greeting and meeting of the the individual, and then to their actual training, MOS, you know, stuff like that, and then getting into part of the integrated into the guard, uh, state guard okay sure yeah the easiest way to get a hold of us is to go to our website and that's mill.wa.gov slash state dash guard that's the same website as the national guard same w- website as the uh, is the EMD. and i'll go put there. it in the show notes fantastic um and then so just to tell you a little more we're about two-thirds prior service okay. and of those two-thirds prior service i would guess probably about half of them are retired either national guard or um, or active duty um, the best thing you do is you go there there's an application on our website click on the application download it it is a little lengthy go ahead and fill that out and submit it to the the address that's listed there what they'll do is they'll review it they'll see what kind of fit you are what what the best fit is for you 
they'll um, they'll look at your background, they'll run a background check, they'll make sure everything's good to go. Uh, at that point, you'll be contacted by a recruiter. We have recruiters, depending on whether you're going to be a direct commission officer because you're a medical person or if you're going to be a standard enlisted member or if you're going to be a prior commissioned officer. So depending on wherever you fit in that strata, we have a recruiter for you, and that recruiter will walk you through the process hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, it's a low enough volume that we are able to give one-on-one -on -one with the individuals as they go through the process. Okay. It can take a little while because the fact we do only meet one one day a month typically when COVID's not playing right. with us but um, it can take a little while but it's, it's generally a pretty pretty straightforward process. Awesome. Okay and like how, do, how, how does the MOS come into play like you, you did mention that you're 46 Sierra and how like what uh, what op opportunities are out there and and how do you how does the individual slide into those roles so mos and branch is there but it doesn't play as big a role as it does in this in the national guard or the regular army because we have several different missions and you choose the mission that you want to do whether oh, okay. it's lno or uh any other field i, I there's a several of them but um for the most part most most men are branches infantry because that's the way we're set up because we're a multifunctional force and there's not a there's not a large enough number of us to break us out now if you were prior service say you were a prior service aviation mm -hmm. army officer there are opportunities for you to keep that branching because you've already earned it and gone through it but mm -hmm. we are as as a unit primarily branched as infantry yeah well i was going to say the interesting thing about the washington state guard at least for me is it's kind of a like a choose your own adventure book really because you know, I came in as an E1 private, but I had a bachelor's degree in communications. I was a professional, you know, right. working as a project manager. I had four kids. I was, you know, my mid-40s. Um, and, and so they constantly kind of morph the program to fit who you are as an individual and what you want and what drove you to the State Guard and what you can offer. So. Because our because our numbers are low and because we just have such an unusual mix of people, it's 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 really different in that you don't just kind of drop in with a group of 120 and go through IET. It's a it's very much an individual process. Um, I went through IET. We have a, it's slightly different. We don't have the really the physical part, but you know IET was so so like culturally different for me and such a culture shock when I was going through it. I had never really had anybody yell at me. <laughs> for you know not standing at parade rest and I didn't know what that was but I found out very quickly what right. that was um and the ranks were very confusing but everybody's really good about kind of help like there are high standards and high standards are enforced and because we're a small kind of often misunderstood unit we try to hold ourselves to the standards exactly as they are um and you know those are enforced but they also take into account kind of who you are and what your individual journey is and how you how you ended up at their doorstep so what is the training i yeah. guess is yeah, my question you mentioned iet is that uh yeah. where's that held how and, does it how, work yeah so so remembering that we're kind of a all voluntary force right. when mm -hmm. we're not deployed it we really count on our schoolhouse and the volunteers in our schoolhouse to educate us um like Captain Smith said, most people are prior. So the IET program is fairly small. Where is it? It's in 20B here, oh, okay. on, Camp here on Camp Murray. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and we meet, you know, we meet uh, one weekend 
or one day, sometimes two days a month, and we, we start at a, on a certain you know day and we end on a certain day. I think it runs for about five or six months. There's no physical component in that meeting. We're supposed to deal with our own, phys, you know, right. being fit um, on our own. But it goes through the exact same curriculum. Okay. But because most of us are older and, and kind of, you know, have some... Um, civilian experience in education it's life probably not experience. we have life experience <laughs> so it's really focusing on kind of the military structure and culture and the a little you know drill and ceremony but probably not to the extent that maybe a handful of you know 18 year olds out of high school would be experiencing right um so it, it goes through we do land nav you know which was really difficult for me but they hung in there we do you know um how to write ever how to write a, a brief and you know and we do infantry tactics we go do FTXs with infantry tactics um, we have um, op forces um, I got my whole squad killed so that was a big learning experience <laughs> for me because I didn't understand all the hand signals um, happens to everyone that's, <laughs> that's how we learn what? Yep. <laughs> what, what does that mean you know we care we have rubber ducks that we carry okay. around those are really heavy um, I had an MRE for the first time. I was really excited at first. Later, <laughs> not so excited. Later, not as excited as I was when I started. Yeah. Um, We've all been there. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So you know, we have a lot of the similar you know experiences. We just we just don't really have um, because it's volunteers teaching us, and we're volunteering our time. We just don't have quite as much of it. Right. Not that mm -hmm. we don't want it, but it's just not available. Understandable. Yeah. I want to dial down a bit too. You don't have the aggression that the that the drill sergeants and stuff would normally throw at you because oh, no, everybody no. is older yeah. and right yeah. you don't have you don't have to to do that they understand consequences like you don't need mm -hmm. someone yelling at you yeah we generally don't get beat down i think i was only dropped once and that was command sergeant major flores <laughs> yeah i said good morning to him <laughs> he didn't like it he didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> amazing guess it wasn't a good morning yeah <laughs> not a good must have been before coffee <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, like you, you mentioned, as volunteer mostly, um, except when activated by the governor. Um, what what keeps you guys around? What keeps you coming back month after month? You know, for me, I, I was prior active Air Force, and um, I really miss the camaraderie. I miss the 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 doing something bigger than yourself. The you know, it's hard to explain if you've never been there, but I I missed my military buddies. I missed I missed going out and doing stuff. I missed just the general how people act in the military it's different than the civilian world so it's kind of a way it's kind of a way for someone that was prior service like myself to put the uniform back on to serve their country or their state or whatever without all the onerous you're going to deploy for 14 months you right. don't have to worry about all the the bad things but the good things are still there so to me it's not i mean it's not like a Oh, I got to do it this weekend. It's like, oh, I get to do it this weekend. So it's a it's a mindset for me. It's just something I enjoy doing. That's what keeps me around. Nice. Fun get together with friends. Exactly. Yeah. It's what the guard used to be back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> Everything used to be like that back in the day. <laughs> awesome. Uh, is there anything we missed? I feel like we're missing something. We, we have historically like deployed overseas, right? At times. Well, kind of. Um, in 1898, prior prior to the splitting of the of the two okay. militias in 1903, you know the Washington State Militia did deploy to 
the Spanish-American War over in the Philippines. Okay. Philippines, so yeah. we do trace our lineage back just as the National Guard does. You know, again, prior to anything, 1903 with right. the Militia Act, we were all one force then. So we do, we do, we have deployed. We got the campaign ribbon and all, which is which is kind of a unique thing for a state defense force. Most most of us haven't done that. Um, it is it is a nice, you know, talking point. Yeah, sure. for sure. So what's like? You've been on COVID orders. Yes. Yes. Is sir. it is it is it pretty much the same? Uh, the the pay is same as anybody who would be activated correct right okay. so when we're activated on state active duty we fall in with with our peers so i i'm mm -hmm. paid at the same rate as 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 the other e5s okay on, on the deployment mm -hmm. interesting same with a i would imagine a captain or a major or correct i get the i get the 03 e pay uh mm -hmm. from being prior enlisted mm -hmm. uh you know with with the deployments for covid we had a lot of the people doing the food banks that were on state active right. duty so they were not title 32 they right. were they're paid that with the same as us exactly the only difference is we get paid from our our start date in the state guard so it, there are some weird things like you may have a, a lieutenant colonel over four the things right. you don't really see in the in the real world but <laughs> as far oh, as okay. that though the pay is the same as is anybody else with the same rank as okay. as you nice great i think currently there's 22 state guards active so all states are allowed to have a state guard constitutionally, yes. but only 22 currently have them. Have them, correct? Yeah, a few yeah. of them are just a single individual, like a colonel or a general, that just mm -hmm. maintains oh. the maintains the, oh, the plans for everybody. Where it's not actually a full force, but she's right. About mm. half of the states have one currently. And the largest one, I believe, is in California. I think I would have to say California is the largest, followed by maybe Texas. I would have would have just figured Texas was the largest yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> California's force has a lot of people on payroll. They have a lot of full time employees okay. on the California State Guard, and California's even gone so far as recommending that all state employees join the State Guard, which would be fantastic. You know, if we could do something like that. But yeah, um, so that actually helps with their with their numbers as well. So. I'm sure it does. Great. I think. Do, do you want to talk about what we do like when there's not a state emergency? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like what is our baseline? Because generally there's not an emergency, right? Or it's a wild just in the for summer. Two weeks. There's always an yeah. emergency. There's always the some emergency, but but usually we're kind of going along. Um, so do you want to talk about kind of what we do when we're not involved in state emergencies? Sure. Like I was saying earlier, you know, branch doesn't really matter as much for us because we have mission sets that we kind of volunteer for as opposed to being an infantryman in the field or being a comm guy right. doing the radios. Um, we do liaison officer. That For many years, that was our primary thing we did. We'd send two to four soldiers to an incident command post, and we'd basically translate the civilian request to the military resources and vice versa so that's what we do to emergencies a lot of times you know like she said the emergency isn't there we also do emergency communications I would say I'd say at least a third if not half of our soldiers have their ham radio licenses so we we are often looked to as the experts for radio communications a lot of times the National Guard will come and talk to us if they're having issues with with communications on their armories for example um, another thing we do is there's a the DPOV program, which is a disaster uh, preparedness outreach program. So the state has a two-week ready class mm -hmm. that they teach where they want people to be able to sustain themselves for two weeks. And one of the primary things we do is we go from site to site and train that two-week ready course. Oh. Um, we have a very big, very big uh, impact on the state elections as well with our cyber our cyber team. Okay. Um, we have some very high-level experts in the civilian world that we're lucky to have as 
soldiers and they they assist in every election and and do penetration testing and other things like that do they work with our air guard guys that do do that okay Mm -hmm. They're actually air, uh, Washington State Air Guard, right? The, right. Well, the, the State Guard has two sides. We have, the, we'll say the Army side, the ground side, and we also have an air side that okay. we, we're authorized to have. We have very few members actually assigned to that. Right. Right now, they are They are some of them. They're actually assigned to the air side of the Washington State Guard. Okay. But they do, they work hand-in-hand hand with our... They do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Good to know. We have, we have a medical company. Um, we have... In the medical company, we have dentists and surgeons and doctors, and we even we have a, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist that's just joining us. So we have oh. we have quite a bit of diversity there. Just in there. time. Yeah, just in time, <laughs> right? Um, we have a, a chaplain corps, so we mm-hmm. have several chaplains that that we can offer. Uh, we do honor guard stuff, so we can. Yeah, I knew you guys do honor guard, well. and you do color guard too. We sometimes, do, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, like I said, we're we're kind of multifaceted. We when we're not actually helping the emergencies we're the kind of people that like to keep busy so we'll right. find we'll find needs the state has and, and try to fill them and then do your different facets that you just talked about they have the flexibility to sort of when there's not an emergency happening to sort of find those things that they can go push out and help with in order to meet their one day or do you have to come and all do that together well typically like I said we'll have the one day a month drill right and they'll be training and and um, you know the classes you have to take annually right. and stuff like that. You can't get around that. But um, they'll typically be breakouts. Some of them, like the immersive communications team, right. the radio guys, will meet off off weeks and, and okay. do field training and, and exercises like that. We have a Thursday night uh, network that they can all hook up and talk to keep their skills sharp and stuff cool. like that. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I got. I think that's. I don't I know if I have it. anything else. I don't else. think I have anything else. But I just want to make sure we're not missing anything that you want to talk about. We hit it all? I think we're there. I think we're good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so, very yeah, much. So, yeah, go to mill.wa.gov forward slash state dash guard. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. You memorized that so good. I only got the state part. I just, I forgot about the dash guard. Um, and that uh, link will be in the show notes. And we, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I think I'm forgetting something, but I'm not. I appreciate you having us and letting us get on in.